What do you think the Utah state flag should look like? That's what state leaders want to know as they look at the possibility of redesigning the flag. In a recent survey in Utah, most people said the current flag represents the state well, but it doesn't necessarily represent them personally. So what values and symbols should be on our state flag? And what about our community flags? Does your city flag represent the heart and soul of your hometown? In this episode of our podcast, we take a closer look at whether those images flying above our city buildings and hanging on posts along our city streets say what we want them to say about our communities. I'm your host, Susan Wood, and this is Cities Work, a podcast of the Utah League of Cities and Towns. Ted Kay is a world-class, world-renowned vexillologist. What's a vexillologist? It's a flag designer. We actually have two different terms. Vexillology comes from vexillum. Vexillum meaning flag in Latin. But vexillology is the study of flags. And vexillography is the design of flags. So those of us who are involved in this distinguish between the people who are studying them and the people who are creating them. You know, the things we depict on the flags that we fly are designed to say a lot about us, who we are, what we represent, even when it comes to logos that companies use on their products. It's something memorable, something that sticks in your mind, something that tells a story of who you are, ideally. That's not always the case, though. And we look around at some city flags. I know you've consulted with many municipal leaders throughout Utah about the city flag, if our city has a flag. I mean, there's that. There are several redesign efforts that have been undertaken most recently in Utah, where the result has been beautiful. You've been involved with some of these groups that have done this redesign effort. Tell us about some of those. I'll start with a small one and then go to a big one. Small one is Elk Ridge. Dallin Millington of Elk Ridge went to his city council and said, we need a city flag. And the city council supported his effort and he ran a design competition. He shared the basic principles of flag design, which I had articulated in my guidebook, Good Flag, Bad Flag, and got several great designs in a pool of even more designs and narrowed down the designs and shared them with the public and got the public to weigh in on them and ended up with an iconic flag for Elk Ridge. It's a three-striped flag of green over white over blue with a great big black elk in the middle of it. You look at that flag and you're going to remember that's the flag of Elk Ridge. What is it about that design that strikes you as being representative of a good flag? It's simple. It's got meaningful symbolism, an elk for Elk Ridge. It's got four colors, but that's okay. It doesn't say Elk Ridge on it. It doesn't need to. And it's distinctive. There aren't any other city flags in Utah that look like that. There are a lot of flags that look very similar. And I'm thinking of stars and stripes. The colors, red, blue, white, black. Are there good colors and bad colors? The six basic colors in flag design are red, white, blue, green, yellow, and black. Sometimes there are shades of blue and green, but those are the basic six. And when you design a flag, you want to make sure you pick 
a flag color that can be made up in flag fabric. So if you're going to have your flag sewn, there's a very limited palette of flag colors. But the more important thing about colors is you want to pick from those basic six and you also don't want to put dark colors next to dark colors or light colors next to light colors. That's an old rule of heraldry that goes back more than a thousand years. But Elk Ridge didn't put its city seal on its flag. This is something I'd like to share with all of your constituents that I believe that a seal belongs to the government, but the flag belongs to the people. And we often see cities putting their seal on the flag because the city leaders tend to conflate the government with the city as a whole. They think the government is the city, but the government is only one part. It's all the institutions, all the people, all the built environment, all the cultural aspects, all the history is the city. Well, hopefully the government represents the city. The government represents the city. The government governs the city. But the government isn't all of the city. And the flag should represent all of the city. The confusion comes because the government is usually the entity that adopts the flag. And it says, well, our symbol, our government symbol is the seal. Therefore, we're going to put it on the flag. It doesn't help that 30 U.S. states have a seal on them. So the examples are out there. And I think it's very likely that part of that is because we don't have a tradition of heraldry in our country. It's our repudiation of the aristocracy of Europe. So we tend to default to this idea of putting a city seal on the flag. There are challenges to that. Seals really don't belong on flags, period, because they are too detailed. It means they're expensive to put on the flag. It means that you can't see them at a distance, so the detail is wasted on the flag. And you have to put it on the flag twice because otherwise it's going to be backwards on the back of the flag, which makes the flag heavy and expensive and it doesn't fly very well. So all kinds of practical reasons not to put a seal on a flag. Elkridge didn't do that. Let's talk about a big city whose redesign effort you helped with. Salt Lake City recently redesigned its flag. One of the leaders in that was Salt Lake City's mayor, Aaron Mendenhall, who served on the flag design committee along with city council chair Chris Wharton and uh, 10 other people. And those folks did a marvelous job of running a competition where people in Salt Lake submitted designs the committee narrowed down those designs to a few finalists and then consulted the public again to say, what do you think about these? And ultimately took two of the best designs and combined the best of those two into a final design that I believe is a world-class city flag. It simply says in graphic form, Salt Lake. It's a a light blue stripe and a white stripe, horizontal stripes, that's salt and lake right there. And it has a big sago lily in the upper left-hand corner, which is a nod to Salt Lake's role as the capital of the state, but doesn't do the typical, we're the capital, here's a star on the city flag. I expect that that flag will be widely used and widely adopted across Salt Lake. One of the 
issues about attributing meaning to items in the flag is someone may have thought about that when they created the flag, but that might not be what someone else perceives when seeing the flag. So it's important not to work too hard on your symbolism. You have to remember the basic idea of a flag is to be able to say, that's ours, or this is us, or this is who we are, and we're not them, or you're now in our community. It's, it's simply a marker. Don't try to make it too much. At the same time, you want the symbolism something people can remember. I just described the flag of Salt Lake in a way that anybody can remember it. People will remember that that is the flag of Salt Lake City. And it's also interesting that the design is a compilation of two pieces of art that were submitted by two 17-year-olds at the time, I That's believe. That's right. That's right. Two women who were in high school or just graduated from high school designed the submissions that the committee put together to create that design. I'd also like to say that here in Utah, you have a very prominent vexillologist, John Hartvixen, who is a former president of NAVA, the North American Vexillological Association, and also helped on the committees for both the Elk Ridge flag and the Salt Lake City flag. And I think he's going to be involved in the Utah State flag effort as well. Some cities in Utah don't have a flag. What are they missing out on in that? A city flag communicates identity. It says, this is us. It distinguishes from others. It says, we're not them. We might be right next to that other city, but you've just driven into our city and you can see our flag. And if they had great city flags that they were flying from their light standards, you'd know when you drove in. It shows connections. You might want to show a connection to another city by having a similar flag. It builds community. A flag can be the rallying point for people to band together to address civic issues. And flags ultimately stir emotions. The flag says, this is ours. This city is ours. Cities without flags are missing the opportunity to have that form of connection for their residents and citizens. Advice I give to young people in cities is to ask their city leaders four questions. The first question is, do you agree that a great city deserves a great flag? I think they will answer yes. The second question is, is ours a great city? And of course they will answer yes. And then ask them, do we have a great flag? And show it. If you do, fly it. But if no, ask the fourth question of your city leaders. What are we going to do about it? So is it time to create a flag or redesign the one you have? Is it worth the investment? In a moment, vexillologist Ted Kay will talk about how to make that investment and how you know when you've got a winner. Think Inc. First, we want to thank one of our ULCT sponsors, Y2 Analytics, providing market research and data translation to deliver clear, actionable information. Now back to our conversation about our city flags with Ted Kay. You know, I've talked to lots of people who are city leaders, and I understand their motivations. When it comes to flags, I think you can 
summarize it in three points. They want to make people happy. They don't want to make people unhappy. And they don't want to spend money. So it's important to provide respect and honor the current flag, even if it's going to be retired. It's important not to impugn it because there are people who have connections to that flag. It's important to say this was part of our history, but we're going to move on from this. That's the trying not to make people mad. You want to make people happy by asking the people to participate in flag design competitions that gets them excited about the idea of flag change. And even if their design isn't picked, they got to be part of it. There's great stories where kids have designed flags and their parents are supporting the idea of flag change because they see their kids involved with that. And sometimes kids design the flags that get adopted because kids don't overthink in the way that adults sometimes do. As far as spending money goes, flags wear out. So any flag that's an outside flag, it's going to get replaced sometime anyway. So that's a wash. Flags that are inside, there aren't very many of them. So there's some investment in flags to hang in the city council chambers. But usually if the flag's a poor design, it's not flying very often. It's not, for example, in Pocatello, the only flag in Pocatello flew over the municipal sewage plant. Usually I see for poor design, I'll see it in, in the city council chambers and outside city hall. And sometimes inside city hall, they don't even know they've got a flag, even though it's flying outside city hall. But usually my point is, if it's a poorly designed flag, there aren't very many of them out there to replace anyway. When you have a great city flag, you get economies of scale because people want to buy it. You'll find that a well-designed flag that represents the city doesn't just represent the government, which means many people will want to fly it. You'll see it on businesses. You'll see it on private homes. You'll see it all over the city. If you go to Chicago, for example, the Chicago city flag is everywhere. You can hardly go a block in Chicago without seeing a city flag. And that flag represents all of Chicago, not just the city. Chicago city flag is a white flag with two blue stripes. So it looks sort of like white, light blue, white, light blue, white. And the light blue stripes represent the river and the lake. And then in between the blue stripes, all of that's horizontal, are four red stars. They're sharp, pointy, six-pointed stars. And they represent four major events in Chicago's history. People who are really into it can, can define the events. It doesn't really matter. All Chicagoans know that those stars and those colors are Chicago's flag. And people get tattoos of the Chicago city flag. In fact, I think that's a marker of the civic embrace of a flag is when people start getting it as a tattoo. When I talk to civic leaders, the way I can summarize the, the best city flag and, and how to imagine it is to say, imagine the city flag on the shoulder of a public safety officer, fire firefighter or a police officer. Imagine what the flag would look like there. That's relatively small. If the design you're considering will look good there, that's probably a pretty good flag. You said involve the public. That's your advice if you're going to take on a flag redesign. That's a pretty important element, isn't it? 
Well, there's two angles for flag redesign. I've seen them both. One is hire a professional. You hire a design firm or someone who knows flag design and you give them the commission and they design the flag or they give you a several and you choose from among them and that's the way it happens. About half the cities that adopt new flags do it in that way. Either it's a professional or it's an artist that's brought something to the city or it's the design group within the city. But about half don't have public competitions. The other half do have public competitions. The real benefit, I think, of the public competition is double. One, you get this wide range of ideas from the public. You're, you're crowdsourcing the idea rather than just getting one designer's idea. But the other thing is you're building political support for the change. The president of our organization, NAVA, Peter Ansoff, likes to say, designing the flag is the easy part, dot, dot, dot. And what he means by that is only about 5% of the effort is designing the flag. 95% of it is the public relations and political work to get from the idea of we should have a flag or redesign the flag to the point of adopting a new flag. And even then, I'll say adopting the flag is just the midpoint of the process. You need the whole rollout of the flag. How do you get it on the, on the livery of the public safety vehicles and on the uniforms? How do you get it on the flagpoles? How do you get it in the sports arenas? How do you get it in overall the fire stations, for example? All of that rollout needs to be thought of when doing a flag design or redesign. But this is a very feel-good activity. Aaron Mendenhall in Salt Lake City and Beth Haney, the mayor of Yorba Linda, both saw flag design or redesign in their cities as something to help the city focus on something positive in the challenging times of the last couple of years. That's a really good idea. We talked in our first episode about the five principles of flag design, and we've alluded to some of those, simplicity being one. But let's go through those again. Sure. The five basic principles of flag design are keep it simple. The flag should be so simple that a child can draw it from memory. The second is use meaningful symbolism. The flag's images or colors or patterns should relate to what it symbolizes. The third is Use just two to three colors. Limit the number of colors to three, four at the most, and have them contrast well and take them from the standard color set. Red, white, blue, green, yellow, black. Don't use any lettering or seals. That's the fourth principle. Don't use writing of any kind or a seal on a flag. And the fifth is be distinctive. And if you're not distinctive, do that on purpose because you're trying to show that you're related to a, another entity. So avoid duplicating other flags, especially flags of places that look like you, you know, another city. I, I took a look at the flags of cities in Utah, and I'm not going to say anything bad about any Utah city flags. I'll let you and your listeners look at city flags in Utah. A great place to find them is the Flags of the World website, FOTW. 
If you just type in FOTW and then Utah, you'll get to the Utah page and you can click through to the Utah Municipal Flags page. And you can see every flag that the researchers on Flags of the World have been able to find for Utah city flags, FOTW. However, let me give a shout out to six Utah city flags. I've already mentioned two, Elk Ridge and Salt Lake City. Provo's city flag was redesigned in the last 15 years, partly as a result of being rated one of the worst among American city flags. Now it has a really good city flag design. Ephraim has a really distinctive flag. I urge you to take a look at it. St. George has a world-class flag, in my opinion. And Green River has a really cool flag. All six of those, I think, stand among the, the top U.S. city flags. So there are some great city flags that other Utah cities can aspire to join in the club. And if a city doesn't have a flag, look at this opportunity to display who you are with pride. Indeed, I, I like to say that when a city doesn't have a flag, the coast is clear. You're, you're not offending anybody by taking down the old flag. I'll tell a very short anecdote, again, not in Utah. Mesa, Arizona had a flag that was rated one of the worst in NAVA's flag design survey in 2004. And the editor of the city newspaper there, the city editor, called me up and he was doing his due diligence and said, uh, I just called City Hall and they said, we don't have a flag. Whatever you're rating isn't our flag. And I said, well, that's the flag they gave us when we wrote our book about city flags. Turns out it was a trade show banner for recruiting employees for the city. It said, Mesa, great people, quality service. No wonder we rated it poorly in our survey. And he said, uh, it's, not, it's not the flag. I said, then it's great. The coast is clear. And that city editor actually ran a flag design competition and got his city council on board. And Mesa got a flag out of that. What a privilege it is to speak with such a passionate flag expert and vexillologist. I've never had that opportunity before. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ted, for joining us on the City's Work podcast. Thank you very much, Susan. To submit your ideas on the Utah State flag, get online. Just go to flag.utah.gov. City's Work is brought to you by the Utah League of Cities and Towns. Thanks for listening.